Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Everything School HQ, Knoxville, Tennessee. The Tennessee Volunteers are back. They beat South Carolina by 40 plus on Saturday night. The baseball team is six and two. They sweep the Dayton Flyers, who are still winless. An absolute juggernaut of a series from the Vols as they get healthy. Um, it's uh, it's everything's back. Uh, everything's cooking with grease. We're feeling pretty good. Even the Lady Vols are out here cooking. Um, no, it's all good, man. Everything good here on Rocky Top. Down there in Decula, Georgia, my good friend, fellow University of North Georgia alumni, Matt Green. Matt, good evening, sir. How are you? Good evening, sir. It is good to be back. Wasn't sure how long you were going to go with the mm. weekly uh, Tennessee, quote-unquote, everything school uh, intro there. I, I, I can see it right now, man. I, um, I want to get, get you prepared for this mentally. I can see, you know, the Sports Illustrated cover, it's not as iconic as it once was, you know. Like, I don't think any of us are really reading Sports Illustrated Weekly like we once were. Unless, you know, it's owned by the same company that does this podcast or something. They're then not. Yeah, yeah, we're totally reading it every day. I mean, I um, do read it every day, but I don't read, like, everything. Like, I'm reading 40, I'm reading Ross Dellinger, I'm reading Chris Herring. Yeah, different people, I'm reading for my sure. people, Richard Johnson. It's just, it's yeah. not what it once was, right? Absolutely but But um, no. the pinnacle of sports journalism. Mm. But I can see the cover of Sports Illustrated when Alabama wins the national championship in basketball. Everything school on the big bold letters. I can see it happening. And if, if once they label Alabama that, I don't know if Tennessee can ever really uh, can ever really claim that. I can see it. I think there's other things going on in Alabama that we don't need to get into that's going to prevent that kind of cover. I don't think that's going to be. <laughs> oh, man. Honestly, Florida, it's been a while, but mm-hmm. two two titles in both, I think that, that pretty much seals it until anyone, I don't know if anyone, no one has two titles in both, if in I'm the same not year? mistaken. Period. I'm not sure. Does anybody have multiple titles in basketball and football? Am I? It's a good question. We'll have to um, we'll have to bring that up for another pod, but um, that's a good question. But I think Florida's the only one. Hmm. That's interesting. I had not considered that, but I guess it's probably. Actually, yeah. I think um, no. I think I've seen this. I think Michigan State. I think Michigan State's the only other program that has multiple titles in uh, football and basketball. When was the last um, Michigan State football? It title? was like the fifties. It's yeah. it's it's a stretch for sure. Mm. But they did get the Magic Johnson and then the the Mateen Cleaves, the Flintstones, mm-hmm. uh, to beat Florida, bringing it full circle back in uh, in two thousand. There you go. Well, I was, in Fort Wal- I was in Fort Walton Beach uh, mm-hmm. with, the, with the family of watching. One of the only times I can ever really remember us just spring break to, to the beach. But uh, yeah, big, big, uh, big final because Final Four is always that uh, that like weekend, you know, so mm-hmm. I do remember that one vividly. Yeah, no, we were in uh, New York City during the Final Four uh, when I was 13. So that would have been the what? 2000. 2013 let me do the math carry the four 2004 uh national title game between tech and yukon with jared jack bj elder and company and i remember distinctly watching georgia tech yukon at this bar in manhattan with my family uh, because i wanted to watch to see how it would go with with tech and uh 
and UConn, and obviously UConn won. But that was a pretty amazing tech run. And the the peak of Georgia Tech basketball in the early 2000s, they had a lot of dudes, man. Will Bynum, Luke Schneiderman. Sure, was that the team that had uh, Muhammad, Mm -hmm. the dude that could just leap out of the gym? Yeah, that Georgia Tech team, Jared Jack, like you said, that, that team was pretty good. That yeah. was a that was like my heyday of remembering like everything about sports. Like when you're mm -hmm. like 13, 14 years old and you have no other responsibilities in the world. But yeah, because that would have been who would that was with Oklahoma State uh, with we would have made the Final Four that year. Mm -hmm. um, Coach Sutton's team, Jameer Nelson. I remember they they because they beat Jameer Nelson that team in like he the was Elite Joe's, Eight. Though. It was Him like a game Delonte winner. West. Yeah, Oklahoma State, I'm saying, beat St. Joe's mm. in like an epic like Elite Eight game, I remember. But mm. I can't remember the fourth team in the Final Four that year, but we could we could look that up. But it's a good question. I don't know off the top of my head. Mecca Okafor was over there with Ben Gordon on that UConn team. They were a juggernaut, Oh, man. was that the year? That could have been Luol Deng. Uh, mm. Freshman, Duke. yeah, Duke, with like Greg Paulus in that team. I think UConn did beat Duke one year in the Final Four, like a, a, a big-time game. There you go. Uh, but it's a good day all around, man. My like, college basketball knowledge is great. Early 2000s. Yeah. Um, Hawks hired Quint Snyder. They went on the last second, Trey Young, with the game winner. That was fun. My wife got to hear me, like, yelp uh, in the living room while she's doing other stuff. And it's been a good day, man. Good weekend. Uh, it's not too bad. Took the dog to the to a new park. We walked through, did all that. It's getting it's getting closer to good baseball weather spring weather i'm just ready i'm ready to transition to warm weather here in the south matt green i'm ready for the spring game are you gonna go to g-day i'm we're gonna go to the orange and white game it's back tennessee didn't have it last year because they were doing uh construction on uh Neyland at the time so there was no there was technically like a little mini spring practice but it wasn't it wasn't uh, a spring game really are you gonna go have you been to a g-day Oh, I've, uh, in 2016, sir, Kirby Smart called on me personally, mm. just like Uncle Sam said, I want you, uh, 93K day, man. I had to show up and show mm. out, uh, to, to pack out Sanford Stadium. And then I think we went a couple more times. Um, and it's cool to just go. And then it's like, you're part of the crowd for, you know, a couple quarters and you're like, yeah, this is football in April. It's super hot. Let's just, uh, let's just go somewhere, get something to drink or something, hang out in Athens for a few hours. But, uh, but yeah, it's, um, I, we might go. I don't know if we've really made a decision on it either way. This is the but, year yeah. to go though for Georgia. Cause you like, my thing is like, I'm, I can't wait cause I get to see Nico and I might not see Nico for the rest of the year versus joe and for you it's like oh i get to see the th quarterback battle like the for the one shot of really seeing everybody compete and seeing what they look like uh with carson brock and gunner um in the spring i think it's going to be a hot ticket and actually a pretty good intriguing g-day uh this year new oc new like there's just a lot of reasons that you would uh want to watch uh this particular g-day i think if you're a dog fan yeah for sure and i think that's kind of the storyline is essential to to the spring game. Yeah. It's like if you have something kind of a compelling, like a five-star quarterback coming in that's like everyone wants to see, like like you said with Tennessee, or just like an, an interesting uh, position battle. Mm. Yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting. We'll, we'll see. I mean, it's you can never learn really too much from those games, but Georgia, at least as a team, is, is one that's, you know, a, a lot of the – a lot of the hay is in the barn, if you will. Like there shouldn't be too like this should be basically the team that you're gonna see in the fall. Like there shouldn't be too much more going on with the portal or 
I mean, even the, the, the rest of the recruiting class, it's like something like 18, 20 guys in this recruiting class, I think are early enrollees. So you're seeing more and more of that these days. So I don't know, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting. You can always learn a little bit, but it's like, you kind of got to take it with a grain of salt. Well, I saw an early enrollee at LSU hit the portal or is planning to hit the portal in the spring in like May. How does that work? Is he going to burn his one-time transfer before even like getting through a spring? Like if you're an earlier enrollee, doesn't this count if he transfers because he is signed and on campus? Wouldn't this still count as burning your one? I mean, is that, do we know that that's a thing that you, you, you're going to have to sit out the second time you go? Well, everyone's been able to get around it with graduate school. They get the one, and then everyone who's been hitting the portal hasn't gone yet. Or if they have, they've sure. graduated. So it's like we haven't really seen. It's like a strategic type of deal where a lot of guys, like the COVID year still makes everything weird. But I I don't know. I think we're going to start seeing it more and more because a lot of those years are gone, and guys are going to have to be more careful about um, transferring twice because I think they will have to sit out. Like if that's the whole thing with Jackson Dart at Ole Miss is I, I think – because he already burned his one and he's not ready to graduate. If he loses the job in the spring to Spencer Sanders or whatever, I I think he I don't I think he'd have to sit out if he went to another uh, D one FBS program uh, the following year. I think he would have to like because I don't think the waivers. I remember reading a couple weeks ago that they're going to crack down on like the waiver stuff um, for the one time like because sometimes you'll see that where they get the two without having to sit. But I think they're the I remember reading something about it. So I, that would be a good thing because. That's uh I mean it would lot. only make sense. If you're gonna open the floodgates, it's mm. like, well then like let's I don't know, let's crack down on like the instances where it's being abused because yeah. we are being so lenient with this. It's like, hey, we're you know, don't don't abuse the the situation. Well, don't forget, folks, um, here on this very program, this is a daily national sports podcast on this particular day on Sunday evenings, uh, coming to you on Monday mornings. We talk all things college football uh, once a week on the program, uh, twice a week during the college football season. Uh, Matt, you can find him on Twitter at Matt underscore W underscore green. Follow myself at Chase double underscore Thomas. Uh, make sure to check us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash Chase Thomas podcast. Like and subscribe, full episodes, clips, shorts, all that kind of stuff over there. We're on TikTok at uh, Chase Thomas podcast. Um, you can get the newsletter, daily newsletter, sportsrenaissancemand.substack.com. You can always get in touch with us if you'd write, like to get in touch with the show or have a question for Matt or myself if you want to an- us to answer on a future college football episode. Uh, feel free to send us an email at chase thomas podcast at gmail.com and as always uh, if you are an apple podcast or spotify listener make sure that you leave this show five-star rating interview and are subscribed so you never miss an episode new episodes every single day covering it all right here on the blue wire pod network the chase thomas podcast okay Matt Green. Before, before you mm. move on, I just want to update our, our college basketball fans out there that I okay. was correct. It was Duke, UConn, um, as well as Georgia Tech, Oklahoma State uh, in that Final Four. And San Antonio, Texas. Good Back pull. in in 2004. Uh, great tournament looking at this. Mm. Uh, this Stan- uh, Alabama beat Stanford uh, at mm. 8-1. In the eight-one upset in the second round, UAB beat Kentucky in a nine-one upset in the second round. Uh, big, big time uh, March Madness per usual. I think but, this uh, year is gonna be bonkers because there's no elite team this year. Like it, this year is just gonna be an absolute madhouse uh, in terms of picking games. It's just you can make a case for like forty teams to actually run the gauntlet and win 
win it all this year. It's pretty it's pretty wild. Uh, outside of the dogs who lost by I think 50 again over the weekend. I don't think they're going to make the tournament or, or win it all. I don't They're don't they are not one of those 40 teams that no, are in contention. So. No. Mm-hmm. It's been a bad uh bad month of February for the dogs. They've mm. they've uh, had some lopsided losses. Yeah. Couldn't relate. Uh Matt Green, um we have some college football we are going to talk about in this very program. We're going to get into our spring SEC quarterback rankings uh, ahead of the, the the spring ball and practice. And some of these competitions are wide open. We'll see if they end up winning. But I did my list, and I am assuming you did your list based on who you think is going to be QB1 at every single destination. And then we're also going to do a couple of way too early college football uh, uh, predictions. And then uh, the sec on cbs games of the week preview for each one so matt before we even get started which would you rather start with would you rather do the sec on cbs or would you rather do uh the spring quarterback rankings oh you're muted matt green you went muted i muted myself there you are um you, you uh it's almost like you put that appetite like you, mm. you said the quarterback uh first so it just it got my mind it got that's where my appetite is so let's uh let's get these quarterback rankings going okay well we both did our own list here going into 2023 um i think we should start with bottom i think we should go 14 and up right i think that makes more sense is to start from the worst and go to the best. We'll end on the best. What do you think? Or do you think we should start with the best and go to the worst? What do you think? Let's just start with the best so oh. we don't confuse anybody. Like, I okay. don't know. I, let's, because uh, we can kind of go down the list because where we, where we kind of disagree here. That's fair. Well, we're going to disagree right away, Matt Green. So who is your yeah. number one? I was shocked to see <laughs> this guy so low on your list because I feel like he is, I think, by far the, the highest floor of any SEC quarterback. I think he's just very consistent. You know what you're getting. Uh, but also a super high ceiling. I think there's a potential that he gets even better in 2023. And that's KJ Jefferson. Like mm. I think it was a, it was a subpar year for Arkansas. Definitely disappointing. Not what they what they thought they could be like a dark horse top ten type of team. But KJ Jefferson, I think, is still like especially it's it's pretty unproven class of SEC uh, quarterbacks going into 2023. I think KJ Jefferson's the safest pick. Here's the problem, Matt Green. Do you know who's not calling plays for the Arkansas Razorbacks next year? Uh, Bryles. Kendall Bryles is not calling plays for the Arkansas Razorbacks next year. So when people are talking about KJ, I was like, I would have KJ higher. He's number five on my list, Matt Green. KJ Jefferson has been fantastic through two years. He was banged up last year. That was a big reason why um, Arkansas kind of fell off a little bit was KJ was banged up. He's great. He's super efficient. Like he's passing for almost 70% completion rate his last two years. Super efficient, doesn't do dumb stuff with the ball. Um, someone you can count on. Good leader. 24 TDs, five picks, 81 quarterback rating. Like he was fine last year. Big, 6'3", 242. I like him. Like I He's a I legit like power runner, like a yeah. Taj Boyd, but maybe even more so. Yeah. I like KJ Jefferson. I like Kendall Bryles as a play caller. I don't like Danny Nose as a play caller. Find me a Miami fan that enjoyed the Danny Nose experience. Find me a Maryland fan who was like, yeah, our offense was cooking last year. Like it was all systems go with Danny Nose. You go up and down the list. Danny Nose is just, it's just not, 
not great. The history is not great there. I think it's a downgraded offensive coordinator for KJ, unfortunately, and a big year for him. So I understand giving him the benefit of the doubt because he has proven a lot over the last two years in uh, Fayetteville. I just have him a little bit lower, and I have him at five on my list, which with the possibility of, like, if you told me he ended up being the number one quarterback in the conference this year, it wouldn't surprise me. But I think right now there it's a significant downgrade, and I want to see what he looks like without Kendall Bryles and with um, Dan Enos because I think this offense takes a step back, and I don't think Arkansas is as I think they still flirt with six and six, seven and five uh, this year. I think the West is better across the board, and I think you can make the case no one benefits less from the West being better next year than the Hogs. Is that fair? See, five is crazy to me though because mm. there are so many unproven guys. So it's almost like everyone you have behind KJ Jefferson is is pretty unproven. Although I would I'm disagree. Surprised how, I'm surprised at how low you have one guy, but we'll, we'll get mm. to him. Uh, but then you have even a couple more unproven guys ahead of KJ Jefferson. So I'm I have one surprised. unproven guy ahead of KJ Jefferson, sir. I have one ahead of him that is unproven, uh, and I'll well, give you the one. Well, here we can keep going down the list, yes. and we'll we'll get to it. But um, okay, my number one though. Yeah, Jane Daniels. I don't even think it's a contest. I think people are overthinking J- uh, Jane Daniels. Jane Daniels balled out this past year. They go to the SEC title game. There was questions all last summer. Like, is he going to be the guy? Is it going to be Garrett Nussmeyer? Is it going to be, um, who's the guy who retired? I already forgot. Miles Brennan. Um, if he's going to be QB1, like there was a huge competition. He just won it. And he was really good by the end of the year. He finished strong. He is obviously incredible with his legs. He beat Alabama last year. Obviously, Tennessee blew him out. But like, I still think a lot of it was just, he looked like a different guy late. I mean, he lit up the Georgia secondary. Like, he had a pretty good game, uh, by and large, against Georgia. It was I, uh, it, it was really the the backup that came in that really – Nussmeyer was the one that actually threw for more yards, I want to say, in that game. But Jaden wasn't bench, bad. Jaden had a good game. Yeah. And Jaden Daniels, I think, is a – I think going into next year, if I had to say who I'm – if who has the best Heisman odds of anyone in this conference going into next year – I think it's Jaden. Like I just, I love what he, what he did to end the year. I think LSU is going to be really good. I would not be surprised if LSU's back in uh, the SEC title game next year. I wouldn't be surprised if they're in the playoff. I don't know. I think like he set a single season uh, rushing yard record at LSU and rushing TD record. He can pass. There's obviously talent out the wazoo at wideout for for Jaden, I just look at QB one. If I had to bet on who has the best season in 2023 of any quarterback and what kind of situation they're walking into in 2023, I think Jaden Daniels is number one. I think the sky's the limit for him in year two of this system with the talent, with the coaching staff and with what we saw uh, this LSU team being ahead of the curve uh, in year one for Brian Kelly. So I uh, I'm all in on the Jane Daniels LSU experience. So I, I think it's fair to have him at one. Where did you have Jaden Daniels? So yeah, I don't hate him at one. I think he's got the highest ceiling. I have him at two. Um, mm. So I'm I'm right there with you. I think he I think he's got that potential to be. If I was saying like the guy with the best chance to be a Heisman finalist, I mm. honestly might say him over KJ Jefferson because LSU has more national championship contender, you know, ability than than Arkansas does, and and mm. he is a dynamic player. 
I just, I still question, he was the starter all season last year. He only threw 17 touchdowns. He, he only threw three picks at the same time. Obviously, he, doesn't he turn the ball over. 11 rushing touchdowns and, you know, almost 900 yards rushing. So he was doing a lot on the ground. And I think a lot of it was out of necessity at, at times for LSU's offense. So Keyshawn Butte, he he's coming back for next year, right? Mm-hmm. So that that's one of your best weapons year two of brian kelly like lsu could take a big step up so i don't i don't hate him at one i like i said i got him at number two all right who's, uh, who's uh, your number two Devin leary matt green our old friend i think people when they're doing these lists have to include the situation that they're dealing with liam cohen's back in the fold at uk and look i love duncan on kentucky i love playing kentucky i love the rivalry <laughs> between kentucky but look I think he's going to have a great year. I think Devin Leary is a really good quarterback. I think he showed a lot at NC State. They were right there. He He's beaten Clemson. He's had some big-time games. He won a crap ton of games at NC State. He just got injured. He moved on. There's a history. Will Levis had his best season under Liam Cohen last or two years ago. He's back in the fold. There's a lot of talent on this UK team. I think the defense will be better. I think the offensive line will be better. I just... I think this situation is just perfect for Devin Leary to have the second best season, but the best season of any quarterback in the SEC East this year. I uh, I think he's proven a lot. I think he's in a good system. I think it's a team that can win nine to ten games uh, this fall. No, I think Devin Leary is the going to be the second best quarterback in this conference this year. Uh, I don't hate that. Uh, you're you're right about the situation with Liam Cohen and everything. It's which Devin Leary are you getting? You mm. are you getting twenty twenty one Devin Leary, who threw thirty five touchdowns and five picks, like pretty much balled out for I don't know if he was first team all ACC, but I think he was the best quarterback in the ACC that year. Mm. First last year, he only had six. He only played six games. You know, he had dealt with some injuries. Eleven touchdowns and four picks over you know not even half a season. Like that's that's solid. You know, extrapolate that. It's still not thirty five to five. But Kentucky allowed the most sacks in the SEC a year ago. Like, Will Mm. Levis is a top 10 first-round draft pick. I say that with air quotes. Like, I, if if he truly is an elite quarterback talent like the NFL seems to think he is, then he was in an absolutely awful situation in 2022. Kentucky was the worst offense in the SEC, partly because I don't think Will Levis is a first-round quarterback, but – Regardless, like they they weren't good. They were terrible on the offensive line. They they didn't run the ball like they they typically do. They didn't really have any playmakers like they did with Wandell Robinson in 2021. So I don't know how good of a situation Leary's really going into. To be fair, I have him at three because I think Devin Leary is a good player. And you know, regardless of the situation, sometimes you can still judge that a guy could be better if he given his situation. So I do think Devin Leary still has the potential that 2021 is kind of who he is. But I think at Kentucky, his stats might not reflect uh, being the third best quarterback in the SEC. Like I, he feels like one that I wouldn't be shocked if we're coming at back here, you know, neck at the end of the season. And, and we say he's the 10th best quarterback in the SEC just because Kentucky's situation. Yeah, it might be improved, but I'm not sure how much. Hmm. That's fair. The Brown kid's really good. Uh, his last name's Brown. I forgot. Is it? It's not. Bryce oh Brown. yeah, he. Um. Yeah, you're right. It is an alliteration name. Number six. 
I want to say, right? He returns punts and does other stuff. Yeah. He's super fast. Like he's going to be really good. He he was like their lone real threat out wide um, for the last year's Kentucky team. I forgot his name, but he's back, so that should be that should be helpful for for the Cats. I I just think I'm betting on a bounce back year for uh, Mike Stoops' uh, team. So uh, Mark Stoops, excuse me. Um, but he's your number three. So Devin Leary, uh, we're Barry, close. Barry and Brown. Barry and Brown. That's it. Um, but yeah, you have Devin Larry at three. I have him at two. So pretty close. We see it about the same. Pretty close overall through three of these. My number three, sure. though, which is kind of funny, because this is how you, we prove that I am not some just hack Homer over here, Matt Green. <laughs> Who did is I this put how we it? prove that? This is how we prove it. And look, folks, check us out on YouTube.com slash Jason Podcast to get a good glimpse of the orange and the new layout here uh, for Matt Green, who personally selected... Uh, that gaudy orange here on ah. the program. It's pretty great. All that being said. I would never. Carson Beck is my number three. I think anyone whose list does not include a Georgia quarterback, whoever you think it's going to be in the top three, is just trying to be a contrarian to be a contrarian. Like, I don't know if Carson Beck will be as good as Stetson Bennett. I don't think so. Do I think he's going to be really productive? Do I think he has an unbelievable amount of talent around him? Yes. Do I think Bobo will still be a good offensive coordinator and they will still be the best offense in the SEC outside of Tennessee next year? Yes, I do. Outside of maybe Ole Miss. I'll throw Ole Miss. I think there's an outside chance that they could be too. That being said, Carson Beck, I think, has to be in my top three. So I think he's going to win the job. I think he sat four years and you're like, oh, it's a new system. Well, it's like Bobo was there last year. I'm sure he got a lot of good work in with Bobo. A lot's not going to change with this offense. Obviously, the receiver room still loaded. You still have Brock Bowers. You still have a cornucopia of running backs who can catch uh, out of the backfield. You're going to have a great defense. I think Carson Beck's just going to put up bonkers numbers um, for the dogs. And I think it'll look close to what JT Daniels looked like the first couple weeks uh, two years ago. It's just you'll get the full the full scope with Beck. And, I mean, he's a polished guy who's waited his turn. I think he's he should be great. Like, Carson Beck, you should bet on to be one of the three best quarterbacks in the SEC next year. Yeah, and I don't have much to add to that. I think uh, Carson Beck's obviously in a great situation. Georgia's pretty much loaded, you know, all around him. Um, and and just in terms of, I think they were, were they number one in the country in, in sacks allowed last year? Maybe yes. only behind like some triple option teams or something like mm. that. But, but yeah, so the offensive line, I imagine, is going to keep him clean. And like you said, Brock Bowers is still there and he's going to make any quarterback look look uh look pretty damn good i don't think it's a contrarian to not have him in your top three hmm. i think there's a there's an assumption to be made if you're having him in the top three and and it's you know maybe georgia is at that level of of you know what Bama's always been and what ohio state has always been and you know maybe usc for a period there where yeah whatever guys started we just we're gonna assume a, a certain level of production they haven't necessarily had just, you know, unquestioned production guy after guy at the quarterback position. Um, they haven't had bad quarterback play by any means, but it's a, it is an assumption to just think Carson Beck is going to be ready from day one. I do tend to think he's going to be really good next year and Georgia won't be much worse offensively. I have Carson Beck at five with that, but I feel like it's also like some guys have proven more. Um, but I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we're sitting here at the end of the year and, and we're talking about Carson Beck being first team all SEC either. Like I think with, with what Georgia is on offense, like 
it could even be a more traditional like Stetson Bennett made a lot of you know those improvisational plays with his legs and everything and Carson Beck seems like a decent athlete but you know maybe Georgia's offense is just a more traditional like quarterback who's got a stronger arm and that that's kind of how Carson Beck is advertised so it could be like a different a different kind of look of the same thing they did in 2022. I mean would it shock you if he throws for 4,000 yards next year? No, not at all. I think he hits 4,000. I think he's going to be – I just – Stetson is the first George quarterback ever to hit 4,000. It, it, it could potentially be a 14, 15 games that, yeah. that could get him there. But I think he's – I wouldn't great. be shocked at all. Number four, this is a big disagreement for us because your number four I have significantly lower, and I think this might rattle some cages in a certain part of the south, Matt Green. So who is your number four? Yeah, this is um not a not a side I was expecting. Beyond, I'm usually arguing against this guy, mm. uh, but Will Rogers, like we know what guys do. I think maybe your assumption is um, what he's going to do in 2023 without Mike mm. Leach, uh, and that's fair. Uh, but I think we could finally see. I, I imagine Mississippi State is going to try to to do everything they can to. To, to continue what Mike Leach had going, but that might be easier said than done. But I think to this point, uh, Will Rogers has proven to be one of the, the better quarterbacks in the SEC. And with so many just kind of, un, with so much uncertainty, I, I felt like four, like, like I said, I have Carson Beck at five, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if Carson Beck is better than him. So I guess I was giving him more credit for, for what he has done versus, versus what he may do in 2023. I just, the thing about it, he was throwing 50 times a game with all these shorts. Like, they're not running the air raid anymore. That's out, Matt Green. Zach Arnett is installing a different offense. They're going to be back to the ground and pound. Like, they are going to run the ball. They are going to try and hit you in the mouth. They brought back uh, that defensive line coach, I think, who developed Chris Jones uh, into the superstar defensive tackle that he is. Like, they're going to be a smash mouth team again. I just don't think it's a good fit for him. And I think I was kind of surprised he stayed at Mississippi State because I'm like, I don't know if this is going to go well. I think his stock might just crater. It kind of reminds me. Here's my uh, comparison. Remember what happened? Like, this was something I was nervous about last year before the year with UVA. Tony Elliott, um, who comes in, and he brings in, uh, like, he the Brennan Armstrong situation, right? Where Brennan Armstrong was just bad. Like, Brennan Armstrong went from one of the best quarterbacks in the ACC, the Southpaw, putting up bonker stats with um, the OC, who is now the OC at um, NC State, where he just transferred to, but was at the OC at Syracuse this past year. I think Anai um, is his last name. I, I am blanking on his first name. But that was the perfect system for him. Tony Elliott's system was just not. It doesn't mean Tony Elliott's system is not good and what he was running at Clemson. It's just, it was a bad scheme fit. It wasn't what he was doing for years. And it just, it's kind of rough to throw that wrench into the their development that late in their college career. And he had a rough year and he transferred, he lost. And we'll see if he gets it back at NC State this fall or even wins the job outright because they have uh, MJ Morris there who started a bunch of games with Devin Leary out. I just, I don't think it's going to be that kind of high profile offense. I don't think they're going to be putting up a bunch of points. I don't think it's going to be flashy. I think it's going to be, one where he's not throwing nearly as much as what he did. And I think it's just asking a lot to change a lot of what he did this year versus what he did previous years. And we'll see. I mean, they got the App State offensive coordinator 
uh, this past year to be their new OC. But if you watch Chase Bryce last year and you watched how App State played, they scored a lot of points. But it wasn't at all what you saw from Mike Leach in the air raid. I just think there's just an opportunity for it just not to be the best fit. And I like Will Rogers. I hope it works out. So just an unfortunate situation. I'm still high on the staff that Zach Arnett's built. I think they're going to be fine. But I just I don't like the scenario he's walking into this spring. I think it could be a bad fit, and I think he could have a down year. I'm just betting on a down Will Rogers year, unfortunately. No, I could definitely see that. I think you made some good points. I think uh, <clears throat> I think there is something to be said for, like, you know this guy can throw the ball 40, 50 times a game and mm. and and not turn it over a lot, you know, be productive in the passing game and, you know, be super efficient. So I think if you're a new OC, it's like, yeah, you might have an identity of what you want to do, but, like, you do know that you still have a quarterback that, that is able to air it out. And obviously with the air raid, it's a lot of short stuff. And we've seen a lot of guys of, of differing abilities have success uh, in the air raid. So it, it's a huge change. But uh, I'll give uh, I'll give Will Rog- Rogers the benefit of the doubt going into 2023. Brandon uh, Langlois. Uh, Where did you have him? Uh, I have him at eight. Oh, okay. Yeah. So middle so of the road a little bit in the of, SEC. A little bit different there. Yeah. Uh, so Brandon Langloy, Langloy, I don't know how to pronounce it, so apologies, but he's the senior associate AD at uh, Mississippi State. He tweeted this in September. Mississippi State's Will Rogers threw for 400-plus yards for the sixth time in his career last Saturday. No SEC quarterback since 1999 has logged more career 400-plus yard passing games than Rogers. I just, that's who he was. Like, he was really good at it, and he just, that's just, it's going to be so different. I just, I don't know. I, I would like to be wrong on that one for the story, but I, I just hey potentially I'm, having a little complimentary run game might could uh might could even help well, help his uh his passing stats a little bit his efficiency very, that is very much could my number four though is Spencer Sanders who I could see actually being number one number two by season's end Matt Green I think he's going to beat out Jackson Dart this spring I think Spencer Sanders is going to be QB one at uh, at Ole Miss. I think he came in with an idea like he could have started at like Florida or other spots, Auburn right away. I think the fact that he went there tells him that like I could probably win this job. Like Jackson Dart, I like Spencer Sanders. Spencer Sanders was uh, one play away from potentially making the college football playoff a year ago. Back in 2021? Yes, like right yeah. there. We've seen the best of Spencer Sanders, which is a really, really good college quarterback. There's some Hendon Hooker vibes here for me where he goes into the SEC. He's shown some flashes. He's been close. He gets partnered up with the second best play caller and offensive mind in, in the conference. Now lane and Josh lead the conference and it's not even particularly close with Todd Monk and exiting the building. And lane is going to put this dude in a position to succeed. You get Quinchon Jenkins. who I think is the number one running back in the conference this year. He's back. I think there's talent galore. They've obviously cleaned up in the portal. I'm pretty high on Old Miss going into uh, going into this fall. I think they're going to bounce back after kind of a rocky end where their schedule was just completely uneven. We talked about it all uh, season where it's like they're going to gobble up these early wins, but man, their schedule is just brutal down the stretch. It's just not a not an even schedule for them. One really fair for the Rebs. I think they're going to be really good uh, in 2023. And I think Spencer Sanders is going to put up really good numbers because guess what? 
quarterbacks put up good numbers. Like, I think it's going to be a Matt Corral type year where I think he's in the Heisman conversation. I think Ole Miss is winning nine or ten games uh, this fall with Spencer Sanders. I think he's going to have a really good year, move up the draft boards, and uh, ball out in Oxford, Mississippi. So I think he's going to – he's in my top four to start. So I don't disagree with a lot of what you said there, except for if you think all these things, how do you have him at number four? Mm. I feel like that's number one right there. You got to go into New York right now. Ole Miss going 10 and two. Um, I don't hate that. I actually have Spencer Sanders at six. I definitely think he's going to win the job. And Hendon Hooker thing, I think that's a good call. I've seen people talking about Graham Mertz being the next Hendon Hooker or whatever you want to. I just don't see that that jump. It, maybe we can at least call it a Hendon Hooker jump now instead of a Joe Burrow jump because that was just mm. that was stupid, you know, like predicting who's who's the next LeBron James. Like let's just let's just stop that. Mm-hmm. Um so I could see Spencer Sanders. He's he he's the same type of player at Oklahoma State that that Hooker was at Virginia Tech. Um a, a, even a better passer on in terms of uh stats. Um so he the potential is there obviously with lane kiffin in that offense there's a there's a potential that spencer sanders could be a dangerous player i wouldn't be surprised if he's one of the the better quarterbacks in the sec but um i don't know that you're you're talking best case scenario for sure with all that like i don't know that i don't know that he's all that but i could definitely see him having like a matt corral type year but if you remember like the Matt Corral type year, like the Heisman hype wasn't really legitimate. Like it was, it was a lot of stat padding versus the bad teams. And, you know, like the intangible stuff, like just having like 30 carries and like a hard fought win versus, versus Tennessee and Knoxville and everything. It was like his numbers at the end of the day, like they weren't as good as like even Stetson Bennett's were who got so much flack, uh, in 2022. Like, so corral, like it it could be a corral type of year. Like I don't hate on that, but I, I don't know that I feel like corral's 2021 year was kind of overrated. So I don't, I don't know how to evaluate that. You know what I'm saying? That's fair. Um, corral was a dog though. That guy, he took some hits and Spencer Sanders is much better much bigger. And Matt Corral just kept getting up, man. Like it blew my mind. He took some shots. He's not a big dude and just kept battling. So no, he definitely uh, did. And that the way he was using the running game was shocking mm-hmm. to me. So the, the fact that he was used the way he was like Spencer Sanders, seems like he's more built for, for playing that style. Yeah, and Jackson's not really that guy. He's more of a pocket guy. He doesn't have that mobility that Spencer provides. I just think he's more of uh, what maybe Lane Kiffin would prefer to really open up this offense. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, uh, 20, I, 20 touchdowns, five picks Corral had that year. Like Not not like the most impressive passing, but what was efficient and you know, 11 touchdowns, stats, 600, yard, 600 yards and 11 touchdowns on the ground. Yeah. So, yeah, he was, a, he was a, a, a warrior that year for sure. Um, number six or five for you is Carson Beck, who we talked about. Spencer Sanders is number six for you. So we're, we're right there. My number six is not your number six. He's all the way down at 10 for Here's the thing. Got him at 10. Barely cracked the top 10. I had him at 11 at first, but I, I, I bumped him up there to 10. I bet you a lot of Tennessee fans who listen to this show we're like what in the heck is going on here <laughs> like we're already mid we're we're closing in on midway through this list and joe milton's name has not come up 
let me just say, I don't think there is a harder quarterback to forecast in the SEC next year than Joe Milton. Not one. There, and it's not even particularly close. Like, you could tell me Joe Milton has a Heisman year and he goes top five in the draft next year, and it wouldn't surprise me. Anthony Richardson might go number one overall. Like, Joe Milton's arm and his size. <laughs> yeah, no, and his, Anthony Richardson is not going number one. I refuse to believe this. But it's out there is what I'm saying. Like, he's going yeah, top yeah, yeah. ten. The fact that it's I don't out wanna, there. I don't want to derail you. Keep keep your Joe Milton going. So when people see hear me say that, I'm like, I'm not saying, like, I would do it. I am saying Joe Milton being a top five quarterback in the draft next year would not surprise me at all. Joe Milton flaming out and not being the starter by season's end would also not surprise me in the least bit. One of the things that I think Tennessee him not, fans... Him not being the starter by like the Alabama game wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a... Here's what's funny. Okay. I'm going to pull up Tennessee's schedule because uh, the Go Big Orange Friday show, we've been talking about this. And... Here's where the game. Here's the um, the game this fall, where we're gonna know for sure is when they pull the plug if they do. It's UTSA, September twenty third, Matt Green. So they open with Virginia in a neutral site. They'll be fine. They'll win. Austin P. Gimme. They'll win big. At Florida, he can be shaky there. Like even if he still wins and he's shaky, whatever. He loses at Florida with Graham Mertz. We have a problem. He gets outdueled by Graham Mertz. Bad look. He struggles. Doesn't play well on the road there. And they lose and they're two and one. UTSA is a really good team. Matt Green, you love the Roadrunners. Guess who's back for like his 19th year of college? Their quarterback, Mr. Harris. Their coaching staff still there. Taylor's still there. They're going to put up points in Nealon. I'm going to be in the building. Tennessee fans are going to get a little bit uncomfortable. Because it's going to be a shootout. And it's going to be one of those where everyone around the SEC is like, is UTSA up 21-7 on the Vols in like the third quarter? What's happening here? Or it's like 56-49 the fourth. That's where it's like, okay, Joe, if he's getting outdueled at home by UTSA, and the thing about Joe, and that what he... Hey, but what, if, he's got, if, he's, if it's 56-49, that's, that's not on the offense. Or if he's down 35-14 because the offense has gone three and out three or four times and UTSA has just done whatever on offense. If it's 17-13 in the fourth quarter, that's when, it's, that's when the, the panic button starts to set in on the, on the starting quarter. Well, I think the path is there, right? Like you lose to Florida and then you're struggling with UTSA. And then you have South Carolina looming right after that where it's like, no, we're not doing the South Carolina nonsense again too. So here is, but it also wouldn't surprise me if he's just great in all these games. Like none of it would surprise me because he has all the talent in the world, but it's also, he's so different than Hendon. And like you read the different pieces on Hendon, like Hendon was a leader. He was an all encompassing leader. Like he was doing zoom meetings with the team after he was uh, taken out with his injury, like for pole games, like he was just still very much involved. And he and Joe had this great relationship. He's gone. And the vibe I get, like it just, Joe doesn't have to be the same guy as Hendon, but he's not, he's just different personality types. He's just more fun guys like him. And I don't know if he'll be the accountability quarterback where it's like he's going to keep everybody in line. He's going to make sure everything's humming at all degrees. Like Hendon was so good with his legs that he was just, he knew when to run, when not to. Joe's a pocket guy. He'll take bad sacks. He took some bad ones in the Miami game or the uh, in Miami for, in the Clemson game. A lot of three and outs. 
got the cannon arm. Squirrel White will have a big year. Like, that will still happen. But I think it's going to be clunky. But there's so much talent where I'm like, how bad could a... Like, how far could a Josh Heupel offense really fall, even if he's average? Because we've just seen two years of it just humming. Like, this team just is going to put up points. The offense cannot be stopped to a degree by most teams. Like, yeah, the Georgia of the world will can do stuff. But by and large, Heupel's been able to do whatever he wants offensively against just about whoever he's played to this point. But there's also an element of it, too. If Spencer Rattler doesn't get benched at Oklahoma in 2021, if Caleb Williams isn't the backup, mm-hmm. you know, so that's the other aspect to this is that Joe Milton, he's not going to have the longest leash because you got Nico right behind him. It's like if the offense isn't getting it done, well, let's see what this other guy can do. So I definitely, I, I don't agree with you on the timeline because looking at, at Tennessee's schedule after UTSA, you have South Carolina and then a bye week. Mm-hmm. So it's like the bye week seems like a decision will be made of like, is it Joe Milton the rest of the way or is are we going to actually, you know, give Nico a shot or something like that? So. If they have two losses at that bye week, I think he's out. Because then you still have Georgia and Bama on the calendar. I think you're just looking at, I don't know, you're not playing for an SEC East title. You're not playing for a playoff opportunity. Like, I just, the thing too, and like you said with Nico, Nico's the, he's by all accounts, an awesome kid, awesome teammate. And I can't wait to see him play and kneel him. That being said, we have not seen a five-star. Like, you know Tennessee fans. I've been in the building when they were chanting for Harrison Bailey when Joe Milton was airmailing uh, balls in the pit game. I was there when he was doing it against Bowling Green. Like, people run easy. Like, people are like, what is... Like, this is ridiculous. Like, this is not fun. Like, this is extremely frustrating. But there wasn't, like, a true air apparent behind him. This is a five-star number one player in all of college football coming into the fold this is the highest rated quarterback you've had and the most hyped since Peyton Manning this is a totally different deal Nico is an easy name to chant Nico is going to be (laughs) loud Nico is going to be front and center and it's not going to be the kid's fault but any mess up by Joe Milton they're going to be chants for Nico it's just it's going to be an uncomfortable season if he's not electric so I just I worry about the situation because he needs to be awesome to keep those people at bay, and he can't even have off games. I just I feel bad for him. I just think it's going to be a tough, tough situation for him if he struggles a little bit. But it's also like he didn't throw a pick last year when he played. He threw like 10 TDs, no picks. He was good in the orange ball. Like, he'll probably be fine. I just think it's a downgrade from Hendon, and I think people are discounting just how electric and how good Hendon Hooker was across the board. Like Hendon, you can make the case he doesn't get hurt. Like, he's absolutely a Heisman finalist. I just, I don't know if that's going to be Joe. I don't know if that's there and we still haven't seen it to this point in his career i just i think he's the hardest person to forecast and like if you told me nico was the starter by season's end i wouldn't be surprised if you told me joe milton was a heisen finalist i wouldn't be surprised like the it's all over the place with joe i have no idea yeah and that's why i think i have met uh i want to say 10 yeah so mm-hmm. i have met 10 uh and it's and we didn't we just kind of glossed over virginia you know in the opener like that's a power five opponent like if you don't mm-hmm. have everything kind of you know, the way it should be, like uh, how, you know, uh, Tennessee had to go up to Pittsburgh last year, or even play Pittsburgh at home the year before, like that, and neither of those were easy games. So Pittsburgh's obviously better than Virginia, but 
Uh, but yeah, so Florida being that first real challenge and on the road, like if if Joe Milton, if, if Tennessee loses that game, I think there's definitely, I think that UTSA game is like a, like an agreed upon, like Nico's getting the third and fourth series or something like that. So it'll, uh, it'll be, it'll be uh, a situation where, you know, the quarterback situation will be in flux. For sure. Um, your number seven though is who because we have different ones here so this will be good who is your number seven because this stunned me matt green when i saw this i was like matt green is going like this is an interesting take i am ready for matt green to clear the lane iso and make the case for this one i'm excited matt green who's your number seven well i i do want to preface this by saying a lot of uncertainty in the sec the quarterback position but a guy that i feel like gets overlooked i was shocked to see where he was on your list Brady Cook from Missouri. Mm-hmm. This guy only threw 14 touchdowns, seven picks a year ago. Had 185 yards and six touchdowns on the ground. Like this guy's an athlete. And Missouri's mm-hmm. offense, you know, it, it was, was not great in, in 2022. But I feel like there were signs. Like there was there was some times where Brady Cook really showed his playmaking ability. And I look at this list, I, I don't have like a hot take, like brady brady cook's gonna gonna be a heisman dark horse or anything but i feel like it's more of an indictment on the bottom half of the uh of the sec quarterbacks for 2023 like i don't see a lot of like real real big time players like you know if if you're a betting man like would i be surprised if whoever wins the alabama job is is better than brady cook in 2023 not at all but i was really impressed at times of you know what he did at missouri in 2022 he was good in the bowl game um, against uh, Wake Forest. But I have some funny tweets for you on Brady Cook. St. Louis Cup of Joe, Mizzou fan. Brady Cook is easily the most inaccurate QB in Mizzou history. He's tweeted on November 5th. Patrick Doherty, great NFL writer. Uh, I think also a Mizzou fan, maybe an alum. Brady Cook is a tier five level purveyor of Mizzou pain. <laughs> I think all this for you, Matt Green, is you're just showing the, the Tigers some love because they had the dogs and the ropes late almost beat the dogs and upended their perfect sec uh record by just getting after stetson in that offense uh for three hey, missouri's a quality team you don't, you don't just I go know into that's Como what you're doing now. here you're talking up the tigers you just are all bought in on the kool-aid you're like they he really showed out against my team and i just got to throw the mizzou tigers a bone here that's what's happening Did he have that good of a i don't even think he had that great of a game against georgia um uh, looking he had at, that deep I mean, had, bomb to mookie cooper at one point Okay, 20 of 32 for 192 and a, a touchdown and no picks is probably mm. one of his, like, better performances. Uh, I, I say that uh, as someone who, who's trying to compliment Brady Cook. But he only had mm-hmm. four. He had four for negative 11 rushing. I think he got sacked a few times in that one. So he didn't really do, make any plays on Georgia. But, like, at Tennessee, he had 16 for 106 on the ground versus Arkansas, mm. 18 for 138. Like he had a couple big, big time hundred yard rushing games. So I just think he's a, a dynamic playmaker. And I think you know when you get to the, this kind of lower half of the SEC quarterbacks, I think I'm t- I'm rolling the dice with with uh, with Brady Cook. Brandon Kylie tweeted this. Um, this is a fun stat. Brad Smith, remember him, Mizzou legend from m- m- oh many absolutely. Years ago. He was Brad their all time leading passer and all time leading rusher when he uh, when he was done at Mizzou. Well, it's when you say that. 
this uh, Brandon tweeted, Brady Cook became, this was on November 25th when they beat Arkansas, who you alluded to, 29-27. Big win for them to end the program, uh, to end the season for them. It's a good rivalry. I like Arkansas-Mizzou. Brady Cook became the first Mizzou quarterback to throw for 240 and run for 140 since Brad Smith. The offense averaged 7.7 yards per play for the first time in two years. So, you know, hey, I'm a little hard. It wouldn't surprise me if he's a middle-of-the-road guy. Wouldn't surprise me. I think that's a good buy-low pick. For sure. I mean, you look at the game log, like three touchdowns, no picks versus Abilene Christian, three touchdowns, no picks versus uh, New Mexico State. Those definitely helped the uh, the season totals there by the end, but mm. he's he's definitely a guy who's gonna have to take a step up. But uh, Eli Drinkowitz, you know, he's got Luther Burden, a uh, a big time playmaker out wide. So we'll see what they can do. My number seven, who's not even on your list because you think another quarterback is no. gonna win this job, Ty Simpson, the former five star quarterback out of Tennessee. I. <sighs> I don't think Alabama's defense or offense is going to be great. I don't think so. I could not like, this is going to be weird because of what we've seen for several years now with Kiffin, with Sark, with Bill O'Brien, with Mike Loxley, Tommy Reese ain't that. This is going to be a defense, 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 run the ball down your throat type of Alabama that we have not seen in over a decade. Ty Simpson just fits more of that mold, right? Where they're trying to bring back the Brody Croyles, the John Parker Wilsons, the the statue quarterbacks. Like, I don't think Jaden Milrow is the fit. But for why this would trip. they ever try to bring that back? You don't want to go back to the Brody Croyle era. I think Saban wants to go back to those AJ McCarron. Like AJ was the peak, I think, of what uh, that Alabama. Uh, just ride it, run it down your throat. I think and, that, no, there's no way that Saban is seeing these offenses. Like, I'd rather have A.J. McCarron where we're just scoring 30 points and winning games 17 to 13. You think, think that's, that's what Nick absolutely Saban what he wants? I think Nick Saban wants the team to play elite defense. That's all they have yes. to do. You don't have to stop. You don't have to stop scoring points. You just have to start getting stops on defense. Like well, I think he looks at no it as like reason. possessions, right? Where if we hoard possessions, we're not going for points. We're not going for tempo. We're not doing any of that. We're holding the ball and we're playing great defense. And we're just going to out-muscle you, out-five-star you, and out-physical you. And I think that's just what it's going to look like. The Tyree Reese offenses at Notre Dame have not been good, but it's also just like the Ian books of the world where I just, I don't think Jaden Milrow is going to be the starter here. I think he's going to transfer and he might be okay somewhere else, but based on what we saw in that A&M game, right? Where he's just, there was no downfield. There was no real um, legit passing threat there at the moment. He still seemed pretty green and maybe he improves a lot this spring. We'll, we'll see. I just think of what this offense is transitioning to, from what we saw, like if it was O'Brien or Sark or um, Kiffin, I would lean Milrow. But I just think with Tommy Reese coming in, the writing's on the wall that this is going to be Ty Simpson's team. And I just think it's going to be average. I think this Alabama offense I, won't be great. I think it's going to be average. I think if you want to go back to that, I think Jalen Milrow is the guy. Like if hmm. you're if you're wanting to run the ball better, I think the guy like the quarterback being an element of the running game, like kind of how Jalen Hurts was with, with in 2017, like. That, that offense almost had three 1,000-yard rushers, I think. I want to say Harris. I'm not sure they had one. I want to say Harris. Was that Scarborough that year? Mm. Um, and Hurts were all in like 900 and something. So Or that, that could be 2016. But that's kind of what Jalen Hurts was, kind of the game manager throwing you know, 15, 18 touchdowns, like one or two picks, and then 
being a part of the running game. So I don't think you have to go back to Brody Croyle to like be physical. I think I think if you're gonna have two, you know, questionable quarterbacks, I think the guy who doesn't turn it over and brings his, has an athleticism as part of his game, I think can sometimes win that job. So like, like you said, I, I have Milrow on my list. I have met 11. So just behind Joe Milton, I don't know that he's going to be good. And I, I also think Tommy Reese is going to be under this microscope, but like it was Bill O'Brien last year and he's a super proven, uh, coordinator at every level. And this offense, and it was still really good. They averaged like 40 points a game with a Heisman Trophy winner, but we all talked about how this these playmakers just were not the typical Alabama playmakers. And if you look at what they are in 2023, like Jermaine Burton is back. Is Jermaine Burton the best receiver on this team? Like, that's not that's not a great sign. Um, I'm uh, I know Trayshawn Holden transferred, and um, I'm bank I'm blanking on. Ja'Cory Brooks. Brooks is still yeah. there, right? Yes. So Ja'Cory Brooks is probably their number one, but it's like Ja'Cory Brooks and Jermaine Burton. Like We've had years where those guys would be like the fifth best receiver on Alabama, where you have Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell and just an embarrassment of, of riches. And I mean, blanking on the other ones. John they Mechie. had Calvin Ridley, like John Mechie. There you go. Like Henry Ruggs. Like they were just absolutely loaded with like first round talent. And now it's like, it's not even the best receiving room in the SEC, probably. So it's, it's, uh, Tommy Reese is the one that's going to get blamed for this. But I think the, the, the talent right there isn't where they are to be what they, the offense they were with Tua and with Mac Jones. Like, I think, I think because of the personnel, I mean, you're recruiting some damn good running backs in this 2023 class, too. So, like, that, that might just, be the strength of the team and that's what you're gonna have to go with for sure um my number eight was will rogers your eight is different but this guy is right neck and neck with us i have connor wagman at 10 you have connor wagman at eight why are you a little bit higher because i flirted with putting him a little bit up and it's because by petrino you go through the quarterbacks in his life that he's coached not a lot is of bad it, quarterback play in the Vibratrino, uh college football era. For sure. I think he was like eight touchdowns and, and zero picks last year and, mm-hmm. you know, very limited action. A couple starts there at the end of the year. But exactly, you, you kind of made my point with Bobby Petrino at, at offensive corner. And I want to say it's Wigman, right? Connor Wigman? Wigman, yeah. I think it's how spelled it's like Wigman. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, with Petrino running the offense, like, I don't know. It's. Is it fool's gold? Like, is it fool me once, shame on me, or fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice? Fool me, you're not going to fool me again, right? Isn't that what George Bush said? Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I uh, I feel like with Texas A&M, you're just like, God, they have so much talent. Jimbo, he's a good coach, right? Like, right? Like, I'm trying to convince myself, but with Petrino coming in, who knows how the personalities and are going to clash or whatever's going to go on there. But like you said, they have such a track record, or Bobby Petrino specifically has such a track record of, you know, coaching good offenses. And Connor Wigman's looked good in his limited uh, uh, time so far. So I think I could see him having a pretty good year next year. But like eight, you know, it's still middle of the road SEC. Can I say this? He could be the number one quarterback in the SEC next year. This is another one where I'm like, they have the talent. Can I read off their depth chart on offense with Bobby Petrino calling plays? 
Connor Wegman at QB, Ruben Owens at running back, Ania Smith is back, folks. Evan Stewart is back. Moose Muhammad is back. Donovan yep. Green is back. They lost a lot of dudes in the portal, but like this offense is sneaky loaded with five stars and a bunch of talent. Like there is with Bobby Petrino with this group. Would not surprise me if this Texas A&M offense is really, really good. It also wouldn't surprise me if Jimbo Fisher like doesn't allow it to completely be by Petrino's thing and this offense sputters. Like, like you said, the whole we just have to see it. Like A&M is the ultimate. I need to see what they look like for a couple weeks, and it's like, oh, this is all Petrino. Then it's like I'm buying some Connor Wagman stock. So. I don't know. Yeah, and I they think, were 13th yeah. in points per game in the oh. SEC last year. So it's like, it wouldn't surprise me if Bobby Petrino quit like mid-October <laughs> either. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, who who really knows? But yeah, Connor Wigman, if, if, if things go right, I think they could go they could go really right for A&M. Yeah, I, he's a good buy low candidate, I would say, folks. If you had to just like, I mean, don't throw your money at Jimmy Fisher's offense at this point, but like, if you were having to bet, do some like dark horse Heisman stuff, Connor Wigman or is not a bad one to just like throw 25 bucks on just to be like, Hey, all things go like Lamar Jackson was there with five training. He, he's had guys like that. Um, my number. So that was your eight. My eight was Will Rogers. Number nine for me, we have the exact same number nine. This is, I think the only one that actually is the exact same, right? To this point that we got the same. I think you're right. Spencer Rattler coming in at number nine. Spencer Rattler, not even the best Spencer quarterback in the SEC. Mm, uh, but rough. yeah, I feel like this, like with so much uncertainty, like you would almost think you just pencil him in for like three or four, you know, with, with what everyone that left the SEC last year of Stetson and Hooker and Bryce Young and Will Levis, even, you know, who knows how high real Will Levis really was on that list. Anthony Richardson, too. It's like you'd think just by default Spencer Rattler would be up there, but you know, I think a lot of it, you know, and there's a lot of naysaying of what they were going to be last year um, as well. But, you know, this, with the schedule of South Carolina and just the, the playmakers that have transferred, I don't know. It's just, I mean, what what's the real Spencer Rattler? Is it what we saw for the first 10 weeks of the season or is it what we saw versus Tennessee and versus Clemson? Like... You know, like those were probably two two of the three or four best teams he played. I mean, Tennessee maybe not one of the best defenses he played, um, but still, still two of the better teams, and he absolutely balled. So, you know, uh, I I can you can see some good in Spencer Rattler, but I feel like South Carolina's just got a lot working against him for him to be one of the better quarterbacks in the SEC. Losing Bell is not great. Losing Marshawn Lloyd in the portal is not great. Um, I think there's they we I think you and I were texting. I think I sent you. They have the toughest schedule in college football next year. South Carolina does. Um, I just look like you alluded to. Is it what we saw at the end? The real Spencer Rattler. Like he averaged nine point eight yards per attempt in November. Four games, seventy two percent completion rate, twelve hundred yards, nine point eight yards per attempt, thirteen TDs, two picks. He was electric. There's no doubt about it. Spencer sat. Spencer Rattler was incredible in November. It's not all that matters. In October, all of October, he threw one touchdown pass, completed 62% of his passes, seven yards attempt, one TD, two picks. In August and September, 65% completion percentage, 7.8 yards per attempt, six TDs, nine picks. That's still three-fourths of the season. That was really bad. That it was like, oh, this is 
this is not great. I just, we'll see it. Like the small sample size of him being electric and looking like a number one pick in the draft versus what we saw the majority of the season. And he's getting a new OC. Like Dow Logans, we'll see what he looks like. But I don't know. It might, he has to learn a new system. It's going to be different. Like, I don't know. A lot of new faces, a lot of moving parts. Like if they get off to a slow start, it's just, I don't know. I don't think you're beating Clemson again in back-to-back years. I don't think you're, you're beating Tennessee again this year. You're definitely not beating Georgia. Like you just go down the list. I just, I think they're going to have a tough time. Like I think they're going to be fighting for ball eligibility and I think they're going to struggle. I think South Carolina is going to have a really rough year and um, we'll see, but that's, I just, I don't, I can't put Spencer Rattler anywhere near the top half of this group. I think there are a lot better options. I would say nine is near the top half of the group, right? Nine's bottom. He's like just barely missing it though, right? I mean, there's only 14, man. We're near 10th. Like he's almost in the double digits here. That's fair. Um, Matt Green, number 10 for me was uh, Connor Wegman. Number 10 for you was Joe Milton. Number 11 for you was Jalen Milrow. Number 11 for me has not been said. He's your dead last guy. Dead last. Good, clean, old-fashioned hate for Matt Green on this guy. Robbie Ashford. Not, not quite, is, but I see, I see where you're going with it. Yeah. Not quite, but, you know, just some, some good close. hate. Rivalry. I'm just doing the rivalry thing, man. I'm saying Georgia Tech was the clean old fashioned. I know it is, but I'm saying the old. I wasn't sure if you knew. I I wasn't sure if you were mistaken. It's the South's oldest rivalry in clean old fashioned. I'm just saying. It didn't really work. I was just saying clean old fashioned hate because that one applied more to what I was saying. And I apologize, sir. You're the professional here. I apologize. Look, I'm doing my best out here. (laughs) Um, Robbie Ashford had a really rough year. He comes in from Oregon. I mean, that Brian Harson offense, like, he just. That Georgia game, he's fumbling all over the place, running around like with his head cut off. It was just, it was rough. It kind of reminded me of what Jordan Yates talked about with Georgia Tech when he was facing the dogs' defense. That's what I kind of thought what uh, Ashford was going through in that game, where it's just like, what's he supposed to do, man? This is, this is just sad. That offense was broken. Didn't have the guys around him. It was just not working. You have him at fourteen. Explain it because I have a very hard time believing Hugh Freeze who has gotten a bunch out of everybody at the quarterback spot to this point in his career. Another guy who I think deserves the benefit of the doubt when it comes to quarterbacks and offenses. I just have a hard time believing he's going to be the worst quarterback in the SEC this year. He's 11 for, or he's 10 for me. He is 14 for you. So, or 11 for me. Explain your th- Ashford being dead last. I think that's fair. It's i uh, I'm not super, uh, I'm not married to this opinion. Um, <laughs> The 12, 13, and 14 to me mm. is kind of like all, all there together. I'm not I'm not too impressed with any of those. Um, Ashford at least is a dynamic athlete, and I feel like you you kind of have a certain floor when you're when you're as athletic as he is. Obviously, as a quarterback, you still need to be accurate and complete passes and everything. But I think you definitely I think the Hugh Freeze angle of it, I, I would probably if you had to twist my arm, I'd probably put him up at 13, and you could probably talk me into 12. I'll, I'll I'll say that. So I'm not I'm not sold necessarily that he's the worst quarterback in the SEC, the worst starting quarterback. Okay, I'm okay with it. I just he's another sneaky buy low. Like I think Auburn's gonna have a bounce back here. I think Auburn's gonna be fun. I think Hugh Freeze has got a good staff. I think they're gonna be they're gonna be sneaky 
stinky pesky. I don't think they're going to win like eight or nine games. I think they'll probably be six or seven win team, but I think they're going to be fun. And I think uh, the offense is going to look a lot better, but we'll see. I mean, if you look at him through seven touchdowns, seven mm-hmm. picks last year, like, I mean, he played in almost every game, but it's, I don't, I don't know which games he was actually starting and which were the games they were kind of going back and forth, but a good bit of production and seven touchdowns, seven picks is about the epitome of just like mediocre, right? Like same amount of touchdowns as picks. So he's, he's got a, a lot of, a lot of ground to make up for sure. He definitely wasn't good in, in 2022, but with how athletic he is, he's one of those, I wouldn't be surprised. Like we saw, I mean, literally with an Auburn, uh, you know, castaway in, in Malik, why am Willis. I blanking? Will Malik Willis, uh, mm-hmm. what what Hugh Freeze could do with him? So and and turn him into a second round pick, third round, third, like, yeah, third round, mm-hmm. yeah. So out of Liberty, so that's um with Hugh Freeze, he probably deserves benefit of the doubt that he won't be the worst starting quarterback in the SEC. That's fair. Um, number twelve for me was AJ Swan. He was number thirteen on your list. So like you said, these are all just kind of jumbled. I will say. I like what I saw from Swan a little bit. Like he had some bright spots, four-star kid out of Woodstock, I think back in the home state. Um, I just, that offense is just not going to be good. The problem with AJ Swan in this group, it's just Mike Wright transfers. I think he ended up in Starkville. So it's completely his job. I'm just, I think this offense is going to suck. They were one of the worst. Matt Green, if you look at their, like I'm going to pull it back up. Passing offense in 2022 uh vanderbilt was 112th 6.5 yards per attempt 112th this offense is not good i just don't think the system's good i don't think they have the players i think they're going to get their brains beat in again next year i think the sec east is better i think vanderbilt's looking at one and 11 maybe two and 10 best case scenario so i just i can't put aj swan anywhere near top like it's just He's not that you just got to be special, special uh, to kind of get this thing humming um, at Vandy. And I just don't think uh, AJ wants that. And I like him as an individual prospect. I just don't see the path to Vanderbilt having a good offense this year, unfortunately, for for Swan. For sure. And I probably should have ranked him last. Like I had him at 13, like I said. Like you look at the Kentucky and Florida games last year, like he didn't even start those games. So like those were their big wins down the stretch against, uh, against uh, like the best opponents. They are, I guess their only two wins uh, in sec play last year. So, you know, he threw 10 touchdowns, two picks. Like he was efficient when he played four of those touchdowns were against Northern Illinois. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. But um, yeah, I, I don't think Vanderbilt's going to be very good, but it's like, what else, what else is new? They did win five games. So it was like a breakthrough year, but it's like, when you're when one of your five is someone like Florida and even someone like Kentucky, you're kind of like you can't bank on that happening again the the following season. So you know it'll be hard to replicate even five wins. Probably not sniffing a bowl game. No, I don't think so. Um, not even close. I think they take a step back, unfortunately, in year three for Clark Lee. Um, last one. And I think it was only right that we ended it with this. Graham Mertz is my number 14. He's your number 12. Matt Green, I think what's happening at Florida is just bad. Like, they lost their DC. They bring in the the wonder kid from Alabama who just got hired away from, what, Southern Miss? Um, Armstrong. And we'll see, like, guys going to the NFL, 
guy like multiple dudes their dc leaves like it's just weird like obviously the Jaden rashada stuff happens this offseason they don't get devin leary they don't get spencer sanders no sam hartman they end up with graham mertz i have nothing against graham mertz i have something against florida ending up with graham mertz and jack miller as their two quarterback options going into a big time year two season for billy napier this is going to be rough Macarine. I think this is going to be a nightmare. I think they're going to be worse than they were a year ago. Florida fans are not... This is... I. He's not going to get fired in two years, but Billy Napier allowing the quarterback room to end up being in year two, Graham Mertz and Jack Miller, is just wild. Like, this is a wild scenario to is go into. Is this Billy Napier's fault, though? I mean... Yes. Anthony Richardson has no business going pro after 2022. Well, no, he does. So He's going like, top 10. But but he shouldn't, right? So it's like he inherited this guy who's kind of a project, and he's like working on the project. And mid-project, this guy's going, going pro because what he could potentially be that he still has yet to be. So it's like... I don't know if I can blame Billy Napier who in year two for not having like the quarterback situation you know, figured out because it feels like he's kind of blindsided by a guy going pro who probably shouldn't have gone pro despite whatever, wherever he's drafted in the NFL. Matt Green, true or false? Wisconsin had a worse passing offense than Vanderbilt last year. Um, is that true? That is true. 114 in the country. Wow. Graham Mertz has been bad. Like, he was a four-star coming out. He was, like, the highest-rated quarterback Wisconsin's got out of high school in a really long time. He's just not good at all. Like, his quarterback rating last year was 52.5. Like, he's not good at all. I don't think the Hendon stuff is, like, is he the next Hendon hooker? The craziest one I saw was uh, somebody, Andy Jean, uh, wide receiver Andy Jean, said, Graham Mertz could be the next Joey Burrow. He said, quote, I feel like he's going to come in how Joe Burrow transferred from another school. I feel like he another Joe Burrow because he actually knows the game. He's more detailed mentally, a part of the game. I feel like he's going to have an awesome year for sure. Y'all going to see, though. I, I, Bold. I don't see it. Matt no, Green. No, I, I definitely don't see it. Go ahead. Their schedule. You look at this. They're at Utah. To open the year, right? Tennessee at home. At Kentucky. At South Carolina. Cocktail party against Georgia. They get Arkansas at home. They got to go to LSU. Go to Missouri, who I think will still be okay. And then end the year against a team that might be in the college ball playoff next year. And an absolute great team that just beat them the previous year at home in the rivalry game in Florida State. I'm not certain a bowl game is for is just a definite for the Gators next year. I think this is a pretty brutal schedule. That's a lot of just not unwinnable road games, but they're going to be dogs in a lot of these games this year. I think if you're a Florida fan, you're ex- you should be extremely nervous about what 23, 2023 is shaping up to look like. I think it's going to be a mess for the Gators. Yeah, I think there's there's probably eight or nine like toss up games when you when mm. you go, start going through the schedule. If not a couple that are just kind of there's no automatic losses on someone like Florida's schedule. Obviously, we'll let Georgia is these days, and 
um, you know, seeing LSU, what they should be next year, and, and even Tennessee. Like, it's hard to it's hard to count those as automatic losses, but I can kind of see what how why someone would. So yeah, I, I'm with you there. It's gonna be a seven and five kind of seemed like best case scenario for for this team. So we'll see. And we kind of talked about that a year ago. Like as challenging as their schedule was, like so many of those big games seem to be at home, like the Utah game and and the the kentucky game like mm. uh, they got a lot of those big games early at home and you know still turned into a six and seven season even the so we'll see they do have florida state at home um do we get arkansas at home but uh and tennessee at home but you know that's it's a brutal schedule for sure opening the on the road at, at utah like just they're almost the and they did win that game last year but they're almost the just the complete opposite of what florida is in terms of just like being a known commodity and you know just being consistent and what they are like i think that place an sec team going to utah like when was the last time that happened like that place is going to be absolutely just insane yeah i uh I don't know, man. We'll see what happens here, but I have my doubts on how this ultimately unfolds for the Gators. Um, and, and what you saw with Billy Napier, and it's it's not like guys have to go play to their personnel, you know. So sometimes we kind of pigeonhole coaches of oh, this guy is is this his type of player or things like that. But you know, we saw him at, at, at Louisiana. Like typically, there was a, a running quarterback when in his in his systems in Louisiana and. We saw Anthony Richardson last year put up decent running stats, but like what we feel like he probably could have done better. Graham Mertz is not that. So just seeing what kind of fit he is at Florida, I don't know. It just, it doesn't make much sense that you, you needed to go to the portal and you were like, Wisconsin, I'm going to see, I like what they're doing in their passing game. Let's bring that guy down here uh, to Florida. So you know, who knows? The, the coach was fired. Obviously, Wisconsin wasn't necessarily in the, the best situation last year. So there is something to that. But, yeah, I'm not buying Graham Mertz uh, stock going into 2023. Yeah, I'm not either. Well, Matt Green, that was a fun exercise. I think we were fair. We weren't homers, right? I think we were fair. No, not too much disagreements. And and I guess looking at this list, because I'm sure whatever the top 14 was a year ago, I'm sure not all of those guys finished as the starter uh, at the end of the season. Is, is Joe Milton, is that the answer of the guy who's most likely to not be the starter by season's end on this list? Um, I would say it's either Milton... I would say... I guess Alabama's guy, because we, we don't even agree on who that is right now. Yeah, but I think if they pick whoever, they're not going to flip. Bama doesn't really do that, unless it's a SEC title game or something, or a national championship game. <laughs> um, no, I would say it's either Joe, Ashford, or... Because I think they're stuck with Swan, Cook, and Mertz. I think it's either Ashford... Joe or Will Rogers? Will Rogers. Now that's bold right there. Yeah. I, I don't I, I think he could be bad in the system and they have to make a change. Even Spencer Sanders, he uh he still has to win that job. True. But I think it's another one where it's like if he wins the job, I don't think Kiffin's gonna move off that. I think it's just gonna be his job and play the whole year. So I just I think some guys are just like once they pick their guy, they're gonna ride with him barring injury. 
Um, also, um, since you mentioned it, happy second and 26 to mm. all that celebrate. You know, I saw that going on uh, Alabama fans' timeline uh, today. And it's amazing how that once stung real bad, seeing that Devontae Smith uh, game-winning touchdown. But I think Georgia fans are finally at peace after their two national titles. You so, think so? Uh, yeah, two twenty-six. Uh, you know, second and twenty-six to everyone who celebrates. But uh, I think Georgia did. Georgia tried to to, to do it in some different way. Um, I don't even think I saw it this year though, because that Ad Mitchell touchdown was like second and eighteen or something like that um, against Alabama the year a year ago. But second and twenty-six, we'll let them have that. We uh, we got the back-to-back natties these days, so it. Uh, it's uh it's it's thick in my skin as as a Georgia fan. There you go. Um well Matt Green, we're gonna hold uh the SEC on CBS for next Sunday. Cause I wanna do that whole one. I think it'll be fun to go week by week and go through this. I don't wanna parse through it, and make this a two and a half hour podcast. Um, they're not announcing this next week or anything, are they? No, no. Okay. No, no. no we because I think they are announcing it. It could be March. It, it might not be long from now that they are going to actually. Because I think they're this first three or because they'll they'll go through and announce like the first, you know, like three games weeks of the year. You know, like few months out, and then they'll give like the those handful of games like ahead of time, like the cocktail party and the Iron Bowl and some of those games that they know are going to be three thirty, but. Mm. You know, I think we still got some time. Yeah, and even it, if they do announce it, we can still guess all the other ones that they don't. Yeah. So I think we have a good idea of some of those that they're gonna schedule right off the bat. Yeah, I think they'll hopefully they won't do it in the next yeah. the next week. I have a lot think, of notes prepared, you know, but you know it is what it is. I'll I'll save these for next week. It's okay. I just don't want to, dude. We're an hour twenty. I want these no, folks to have good. something to chew on for next week. So um, we'll do it next week. It's a nice tease. Yeah, it's a good tease for next week. We have all like just all kinds of great college football content we get to go through this offseason. So college football, year-round sport, all that good stuff. Follow him on Twitter at Matt underscore David underscore Green. Follow myself at Chase underscore Thomas. And as always, if you enjoy this very program, leave us a five-star rating interview on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or however you are listening and watch us on YouTube. All that beautiful screen, all that good stuff, all the orange, all that gaudy orange, youtube.com slash Chase Thomas Podcast. Like and subscribe, all that good stuff. New episodes every day. Matt Green, always a pleasure. And I will talk to you next week. Yes, sir. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.